This podcast is brought to you by the Deluxe Edition Network. To find more great shows on our network, head over to the den.show. Hold on, stop. Welcome back to the shit show 2.0. Okay, boomer. Damn millennials. Wow. <laughs> Did not know that. Even flirters who who are obviously mentally ill. You want to be my wife? Oh, this is gonna go downhill real quick. What is going on? And welcome to Take on the World with the one, the only, the other guy, the other guy, and <laughs> Mike D. Uh, John uh, may be joining us, or he may not. We don't know. We'll uh, see. Uh, he did say he was coming up. I think he thought the time was two o'clock, and it is not two o'clock. Not two o'clock. So uh, when he shows up, he'll jump in and uh, get involved in the discussions we're having today. Some very important stuff. Very important stuff we're talking about today. And then we'll tell him to shut up. He's wrong. And well, he he will jump ahead. He will jump ahead. So he'll interrupt you and then jump ahead. <laughs> so we call him Johnny Jumperhead. <laughs> or John like interrupt us. So, um, dude, it's been a while since you've been on the show. It has been. It has been. And yeah. it's great to have the one and the only a love bug, not the other guy. <laughs> He's only the other guy to Mike Sparta. Oh, God. That clown. <laughs> I don't want to be anything with that guy. So what's been going on in your world since you took on the world with us? Nothing really. Just... Okay, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John. Hey, where's John when you need him? <laughs> uh, so, as you may or may not know, if you have not uh, been paying attention to our podcast, I don't know what's wrong with you. You're obviously mentally ill and uh, need to listen more. Get your shit together and start paying attention. Uh, uh, 100 out of 101 Psychiatrist said this is the best thing for mental health. This podcast. That's what I heard. Good. It's not a scientific study, but I heard it. So You heard it? It's true. So uh, I don't know if you know this, Bob. Uh, Take on the World is on the Den Network. Oh, nice. It's a, there's a Den uh, Deluxe Edition Network. So we teamed up with uh, Casey and a couple other podcasts, and we all promote each other, uh, help each other out. Uh, it's uh, the Den.show on the interwebs uh and you can find them on facebook uh every month they pick a spotlight podcast uh in december it was like the greatest podcast ever take on the world, take on the world. uh this month it's horsing around and i don't I, I don't know if you get to listen to many podcasts or but if you do just check them out because these guys are a riot i, I love listening to them i will uh i definitely will yeah sometimes when uh when i'm out and we're plowing, I'll put one on, you know, put it through, yeah. on the phone through the radio and it helps, uh, helps with the time. It does. It helps. Uh, and these guys, these are guys are funny and they're a lot like, uh, us format wise. They all get a chance to speak their mind and they speak their mind. And so it's a good time. What's about, um, so that's a den dot show. Uh, check that out. If you could just, uh, if you're listening on Spotify, uh, there's a new rating system on there. 
Give us a five-star rating, even if you think we suck. Give us a five-star, you suck. Uh, <laughs> it helps us out um, in, in the rankings, being heard and whatnot. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, it, it only takes a second to subscribe. It only takes a second to hit the thumbs up or leave a comment. Uh, it doesn't cost you anything to do that, so you can help us out that way. Other than that, uh, well, and if they are watching on YouTube, just so you know, yes, the camera does make me look this big. Yes, uh, the camera puts on 110 pounds. <laughs> I'm only 185. The slim trim 185. That's right. Oh, so where I was going was, uh, if anybody <clears throat> doesn't know, we did a pro wrestling podcast. Uh, just talking about some independent pro wrestling. When, uh, just some stories from me and Bob when we wrestled. We were a tag team. Uh, wrestled mostly up and down the East Coast, all over the country, everywhere. Uh, yeah. The highlands of Scotland, uh, the the wetlands of Ireland, and uh, foggy London. Forever. Dubai. South Africa. It was hot there. Um, but we wrestled together as a tag team for about 18 years, 19 years. Yeah. So yeah. Let's just say 20 years. 20 years. Um, and uh, so we thought it'd be a good thing for Bob to come on and do a little pro wrestling history. Um, you know, not many people understand where the inceptions <clears throat> of pro wrestling came from. Well, I, I think a lot of people, like you said, they, they don't understand what's behind pro wrestling. They they. They set something up in their mindset of, you know, and the unfortunate part is pro wrestling is either you like it or you don't like it. You know, some people might tread the water in between, but different people that I've talked to, you know, they, they like it, they love it, you know, they they can't get enough of it. And then there's other people that, you know, think it's just the dumbest thing on earth, which everyone's entitled to their opinion, I guess. Even if they're wrong. Even if they're wrong. But... I think the main thing is people don't understand what's behind pro wrestling, like where it came from um, and how it's built up from the time it started till the product you see today. And honestly, um, I know you know a lot more about like the 80s, 90s yeah, I, than, than, than I do. I just enjoy doing it. I wanted to do it. I wanted to do it since I was a little kid. I'm glad I had the opportunity. <coughs> Uh, now that I'm not doing it, I miss it greatly. Oh, every day. Um, although the business has changed. So over time, going back in history, <clears throat> from the inception of wrestling, it has changed much from what it was when it first started. Oh, yeah. So um, uh, it, so when when I think about it, I think, well, where did it all begin? You know, where was the first professional wrestling help. Where, what, what happened? Where did it start? So the modern pro wrestling, as we know it now, uh, started in the early 1920s. Yeah. Um, but wrestling history goes back much further than that. I don't know if you know this. Uh, and and you, you, you know me well enough to know how I researched it. Oh, everything. I, I'm, I'm, I'm obsessive. This was a rabbit hole for me. This could easily be five or six episodes. This this could be a podcast on its own. Well, and, and, and again, 
with that type of research, people get a better understanding of where it started, what it is, or what it was, and what it is today, and how it's evolved. I found a great site, which was um, this, when it was cool.com, the ultimate history of pro wrestling. Uh, so a lot of the information I got came from that site. Uh, of course, I mixed in my own knowledge, and I used my fallback of Wikipedia, which is usually pretty inaccurate. Uh, I found, uh, as I always do, dates were different, timing was different, um, and you know, you know, wiki pages are written by morons like me who gather information and they put their sources on it yeah. most of the time. But um, you know, they're they're interpreting information in their own way. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, even modern pro wrestling as a staged match, which I hate the term. I, I, don't, I won't use the term fake. I, that, hate, yeah, that, I hate fake. Because, that kind of pisses me off. Are we still allowed to say pisses me off? Yeah, you can say whatever the fuck you want. About okay. I, I don't want, well, I don't want to offend anybody. The only thing we don't talk about is religion and politics. Oh, that's those are the two next episodes. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, stage matches uh, begin post-Civil War. <clears throat> In a period of late 1860-1870. Some of the information that I gathered, and again, I'm not 100% sure, but I know uh, from what I read up on, back in the carny days, in the carnival days, it was a like, sideshow attraction. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, they equivalent it to the strongman. You know, come, come beat the strongman. And, so, uh, you're, you're now Bobby Bounce Forward, because look at the next sentence. Oh. See, that's Johnny <laughs> Jumper Shoes. No, so you're absolutely right. Uh, they, they were. They would call out people from the audience. And it would be a staged thing where uh, you'd have a, a plant in the audience, mm -hmm. and, and that person would be the one who got called to the ring, obviously. Mm -hmm. And they would do their thing, and, and they would put a cash prize up for the winner. Mm -hmm. um, and as you and I know, the, that's the entertainment portion of it. Yeah. And, and I from what I read up on, the reason that they did that is because legitimately, I think they, they used to have someone that they pull from the crowd, but this, you know, in order to protect the, the strong man or, or the, the guy that was, was doing it from getting hurt. That's when they started using the plant in the crowd. Because I, I think people legitimately wanted to win the prize and, you know, would really try to hurt this right. person. Well, if, if you go back, to like the history that I brought up, mm -hmm. they were legit matches. Oh yeah, they yeah. were legit Roman Greco style. Mm -hmm. uh, and then when it came to America, they called it catches catch can mm -hmm. um, or uh, hand style. Um, the Roman Greco style, you couldn't make any graph below the waist. Yeah, so everything was above the waist, and your objective, your fall, was to throw that person. Mm -hmm. If you threw him, you got a fall. And it would be like the best of 10 falls. Yeah. And some of these matches, that when I was researching this, some of these matches went seven hours. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. I can't imagine fighting no. someone for seven hours. No. And and that, and that's a misconception that a lot of people have, too, with the history part of it is a lot of, of promoters back in the day, even when it was quote-unquote staged, still had a background in amateur wrestling and Greco-Roman and so on and so forth. 
Well, it was a far cry from this is what I read. I'm reading from my 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 notes. Well, it was a far cry from what we know today. Athletes with amateur wrestling experience would compete in traveling carnivals with carnies acting as promoters or bookers. That was the very next. See, and just so you know, I did not look at any of this beforehand. That's how in sync we are, and uh, not the boy band. Yeah. So they'd have like grand circuses, which would include wrestling exhibitions. And usually it was they do one match, and they do it like part of the uh, big tent. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be right in the middle of the big tent, and they they do one match, and and that was it. And, and a lot of these things where I go back in history were one match. Uh, there were wrestling matches between uh, Frank Gotch and Martin Farmer Burns mm-hmm. that littered through the 19th and early 20th century. Like they, they, when I was going through the thing, it said you know. Uh, Frank Gotch defeated Farmer Burns in in one fall. Of time. There was no time limit in most of them, um, and it, like it repeated over and over and over mm-hmm. and over again. And then when I found out that Frank Gotch was actually trained by Farmer Burns, mm-hmm. they, after their first match, Farmer Burns said, "Hey, I see something in you. Let me train you." And they he, he began being his trainer, and they would travel around and do these exhibitions. Mm-hmm. So. Um, Burns never weighed more than 160 pounds either. Yeah, he was he was tiny, and he fought more than six thousand wrestlers. Wow! While he was he, he wrestled, and he lost to fewer than ten of them. Wow. Uh. So. Uh, Gotch, Gotch was regarded. Frank Gotch was regarded as a peerless, as peerless at his peak. Uh. He actually. Claimed the undisputed heavyweight champion by beating all contenders in North America and Europe. He became the world's champion by beating European wrestling champion George uh, Hackenschmidt, which is another name that came up over and over and over and over again in uh, the late 1800s, early 1900s. Yeah. Uh, the uh, he beat him twice. For, for that world championship in 1908 and 1911. Uh, and modern wrestler, wrestling historians uh, say they were the most significant matches that they ever had yeah. in wrestling history. Yeah. Um, it, it, it would be neat to, to actually be able to see that because, I mean, just my opinion, um, wrestling today is, like you said before, is, is a hell of a lot different than it was Back in the day, and and I think podcast therapy dog just joined us. I think one of the things that has hurt wrestling today is the fact that it's not what was being done years ago. You know, you know, but back years ago, you you had your heel, which is your bad guy. You had your baby face, which is your good guy, and everything was hush hush. You know, but now that everything's out in the open, and and you don't like to me right now. I think besides the indies, one of the hottest things going is AEW, which I enjoy watching. I don't watch it regularly, but I do enjoy watching. And although WWE is so out there right now, um, and it's still to me, it's still the number one company, but it's it's just very storylines very stale right now. Let me ask you this. And I, I know I could speak for myself, um, but I, I interested to get your perspective. Is it hard for you to watch? Yes. 
Very hard. I, I can't watch. Very hard to watch. Uh, not because I don't think these guys are talented. Uh, and, and AEW is is more my style now. Yeah. Uh, and, and some of the old school WWE matches mm-hmm. that they're doing now, I, I just watched a little bit the other day, but I find it very hard to watch it so much. Say, yeah, me too. I, I especially and especially too because seeing guys that we have yeah worked with guys we've trained and we've trained uh that, which kudos to them I uh, I'm hey, so proud of all absolutely. those guys for getting where they're at but I think I with me I know when we retired we knew it was time we had to retire but I don't think we wanted to retire we weren't ready to retire but you know with our age and, and health issues and you know nobody beats time no, you know i i i had to because i had a double knee replacement yeah and after i had the knee replacement i couldn't take the chance of right you know hurting them and you know i with with the heart condition that i inherited from my my gene pool thank you very much um for gene pool <laughs> That's my mom and dad. Oh. His name's Gene. Her name's Paul. Oh, okay. Um, you know, it, it's it's hard. And I think any athlete can tell you that in, in any sport. When they have to retire and have to give up, you know it's time. You know when it's your time. But that doesn't mean you have to like it. You have to do it, but you don't have to. And that's, that's why, like, even when there's an indie show, you know, I sometimes I'm like, eh, maybe I'll go, eh. Because the other thing that I know bothers me is, and again, I'm not patting us on the back, but when we were at a show, we gave the fans 100%, whether we were baby faces, whether we were heels, whatever they asked us to do, we do. We did. And we gave 100%. And knowing that you can't do that anymore, and then you go to a show, and again, like the fans, they love us. I don't care what anybody says. I'll argue that point with anybody. There's no need to argue it if you ask the fans to say it. They, they love us. I still have people come up to me and ask me if I'm going to wrestle again. Yeah. And and that feels good. But, but like, when we would go to a show, people would know us. And my biggest fear is going to a show and just being another face in the crowd. And, and maybe that's narcissistic. Maybe that's egotistical. I don't know. But that, I think, would bother me the most people not knowing us who we were after right. all we've given. Yeah. And, and and I understand that's how the business works. New faces come in, you know, and yeah. so on. But that, that, I think that would be tough. Well, you know, you do know if we got, if it got out there and we said we were going to have another match, there'd be people who showed up. Oh, absolutely. And uh, now you and I both know that one person in a crowd that knew us up in Boston mm-hmm. and the guy heard my name and, and like, oh my God, <clears throat> he started the martial law chant as I was walking to the ring, mm-hmm. and it pissed the promoter off because the promoter didn't think anybody was going to know me. Yeah. And the guy I was wrestling was like, "What the fuck did we do with this?" Yeah. Because I was supposed to be a heel, yeah. but a kid made me an instant baby face. Yeah. Which, which I'm glad because that guy up in Boston, that promoter, he was clueless dick. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how else. he's just fucking clueless. But it was a. Fun place to work. We had good yeah. times up there. Yeah, met Eddie Guerrero and, yeah. and uh, good road Sergeant stories. Slaughter and yeah, good road stories from up there. <laughs> so, 
back to this, you know, I had talked about uh, Frank Gotch and Hackenschmidt and Farmer Burns, you know, in the late 1800s, early 1900s. So how far back do you think the roots of wrestling go? Well, the little bit that I had researched, I only went back to about uh, 1830, okay. which was uh, they, they were promoting matches in France back in 1830. Um, that was supposedly the first heavyweight champ was right. Right. That uh, you have the name. I don't. I have it in my name. notes. When we get there, we'll mention I, I, it. Unfortunately, I don't have the it's name. It's like Han, something or other. Some little Weasley French guy. Yeah. Um, he was but, supposed to be the first heavy world's heavyweight champ in wrestling. Yeah. Yeah, I can't. I don't. But so, I, I can tell by the look on your face that you're going to blow me out of the water okay. with this one. So would you believe that wrestling as a sport is as old as man itself? Really? Wrestling is mentioned twice in the book of Genesis. I didn't know that. So Genesis 30, 3224. And I'm just going to read it, and I'm not getting all preachy bible on you. I'm just going to read what it said. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so the hip was wrenched as he wrestled the man. So he basically popped his uh, hip out of place. And then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob. He said, the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask me my name? Then he blessed him there. Jacob called that place penal, saying, it was because I saw the face of I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. So, it, it could be argued that the Bible uses symbolism. Yeah, and and, and that that may be true, but uh, you go back to when this was written, mm-hmm. which was maybe a couple, maybe a thousand years after this. Um, there's still that story was passed on and on and on. Right. So, in near the beginning of man. In the time of Jacob, there was wrestling. Yeah. yeah. So whether they used it as symbolism or not, mm-hmm. the fact is they used wrestling. They also used it in another verse earlier, but it was it was 100% symbolism, mm-hmm. and it didn't mean sort of wrestling like physical. But this is actually talking about a physical wrestling match between two people. So now I have a lot of stuff here that goes back hundreds of years, and I'm going to touch on some of it. <clears throat> not all of it, because there's 19 pages of it. <laughs> uh, did you put this much into your homework in school? Fuck no, I didn't do my homework <laughs> in school. But I loved learning. That is true. And, and I still do. Yeah. I still do. Um, I mean, you know, when we were training, like, uh, I always wanted to learn the next thing. Like, mm-hmm. We all did. We mm-hmm. all did. Mm-hmm. Like, we had a passion for it. We always wanted to learn the next thing. Well, when I first went in there, the guys who trained us, Jacob Paul, asked me, uh, what do you see yourself doing in this business? And I said that first day, I see myself sitting in that chair doing what you're doing now, running shows, training new guys, 
and working in the ring. Yeah, I remember that too. And and Jake was like, prick, prick, man. But he, but he did. He encouraged me. Yeah, he, he did. I, at first, he was like, well, you know, it's just, it's just not that easy. I, well, I get that, but that's why I'm here to learn from you. Yeah. And and we learn from the right people. I yeah. think. I agree. See, and, and I think a lot of things too is with, with wrestling, regardless of you know what era you're in. Even though it's entertainment, it's still a competitive thing because <clears throat> you, you're always trying to keep your spot, right? You know, and and that's that's the tough part is any little thing you lose your spot. You're you're working your way back up the ladder again from the bottom. Yeah, basically. So. I know there's going to be people who will email me or comment or say, well, you know what, Mike? That's not professional wrestling. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about the roots of the sport itself. Mm -hmm. The sport itself evolved from amateur and Roman Greco Mm -hmm. and sumo and uh, kung fu and even mixed martial arts. The old, old school mixed martial arts, full contact fighting to what it is today and if you're talking about the roots of the sport this is where you have to go yeah and if you if you talk to a a majority of the guys that um are in wrestling they have an amateur background right you know depending on whether it's you know high school college i mean i i wrestled for a couple years in middle school you know i'm not saying that i got the the best background but you know, I, I what what I've always I liked background. about about a lot of the stuff that we've done is a lot of it's based in some sort of combat sport, mm-hmm. especially when we we trained with Mike Quackenbush. Mm-hmm. When we were training with him, um, uh, the the Juju Gatame, mm-hmm. that's a legitimate martial arts painful hold. Yeah, yeah, that shit hurts. And you know, they incorporated it into professional wrestling and. Even even while you're doing it in entertainment purposes, it's uncomfortable. And and if you're looking at it, like you said, from entertainment purposes, it, it is a legit hold. But if you really want to put the pressure on, you're going to put the pressure on and you could hurt somebody. So for all the naysayers who are going to say, well, that was Roman Greco style wrestling and they couldn't make contact below the waist. OK. Uh, OK. Coming up <laughs> to, a, to a bullet point near you. So, in 776 B.C., well before my time, 776 B.C., the first recorded Olympic Games take place with wrestling as a featured sport. Mm-hmm. Um, they may argue over the date. You know, historians may argue over the date when, when that was. But uh, some, some of them will say that, that it was... 1350 BC, uh-huh. some of them say 776 BC, but wherever the first Olympics recorded, wrestling was a mainstay attraction at that game. Yeah. And you go to 648 BC, there was something called Pancreasm, Crayism, Pancreation, Pancreation, which was a form of both striking. And grappling, yeah, which is where we're at today, yeah. either mixed martial arts or professional wrestling. So that goes back to 648 BC, and that was added as, as part of the Olympic Games back then. Yeah. 
So, uh, it wasn't just in uh, Greek Greece where the Olympics were accepted, but if you go to 500 BC, uh, a book of legends called I wish Lexi was here because she could say these Japanese names. Uh, Koji Kai? Koji, yeah, that's what Koji Kai uh, was written in uh, 712 AD and it places wrestling matches between Japanese warriors. I'm not even going to try to pronounce them because they look exactly the same. Sammy Akuchi and Sammy Akata? Takem Kushi and Tak. Me, talk. let's just call him Zuki and Kata. Yeah. Um, <laughs> according to legend, uh, Zu- Zucchini beat uh, Makata on the shores of, uh, oh, Jesus. I don't even know why I put Japanese stuff in here. I cannot do this. Anyway, uh, he beat him on the edge of the shore, the shore of this lake. Now, if you have seen the movie. Last, the last Ronin, or uh, it was one of the Ronin movies where the, the, the two stood on the beach and did battle. The I don't samurai. Think I ever saw that. It's, I think this story is is derivative from this. Oh, I saw the Karate Kid. Uh, no, that's not the one. <laughs> uh, anyway, the uh, winner became the Japanese leader and established the imperial family, uh, and the end. All the emperors trace back to this history. And it was a grappling match. Uh, I don't need to read that. Oh, no, this is uh, in Croatia. I mean, and I think a lot of the things people don't understand as well is, you know, as big as wrestling is in the United States, if you go to a lot of other countries, uh, Japan, Obviously, uh, <clears throat> Mexico, um, England, they have a rich history of, of wrestling as well. I mean, over in Japan, it, I mean, it, it's so popular over there that I heard there was, a, this, this is pretty many years ago, but um, Madonna, when she was at her height, at her most popular, it took her about maybe a day or two to almost sell out the arena. Same arena when they brought wrestling in, pulled out within an hour. Yeah. That's how popular it, I mean, and and again, it's, it's, I think over there, it's possibly a little more intense than it is here, but it's still a a rich history of, of wrestling. So I'm going to mention a couple more BCs. 23 BC, uh, the emperor requested uh, a potter named why don't why say his name Nomi no Sukuni uh, wrestle this bully during the match. Uh, Sukuni kicks the bully in the stomach and the solar plexus, fatally injuring him, and won the match. Uh, Sukuni has since been immortalized in Japan as the father of sumo. So this is, was the inception of sumo wrestling, which is the grandfather of Japanese wrestling. Yes, yes. Uh, 
sumo becomes the national sport of Japan over time. Uh, the term sumo means wrestling or grappling. Uh, and then uh, 267 AD, a couple hundred years later, uh, they found papyrus, uh, that's uh, Egyptian paper with with uh, stuff on it. Uh, it, and and on that it was depicting uh, a wrestling match between two teenagers, uh, Demetrius and Nicantonius, uh, and it was a contract between the wrestlers for what what it would the uh, winner would get. So it was three falls, three falls and yield, and. If it was an intentional submission, the loser would pay thirty eight hundred drachma. Uh, and if there was a, uh, if if one of them should back out of it, there'd be a penalty of eighteen thousand drachma. So you know, when you use the word professional, professional sports, NHL, NBA, NF, fuck you. Uh, uh, Major League Baseball, professional sports, it means they're paid for what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And here you go. It, there's a legitimate documentation, 267 AD, of people beginning to get paid to grapple. Yeah. Um, uh, 642 AD, the oldest actual authenticated written record of wrestling match in Japan. Is recorded when soldiers are enlisted to have sumo matches for entertainment for the officials of the country, uh, and that that oh of this country, that the country at now is South Korea. So the animal uh, annual sumo tournaments were held by the emperor, and they lasted until eleven seventy four. Uh, I don't need to go through all of this. I just wrote it down for background there's a couple but, things but, but you can see yeah as sep- you as you go through you know the history of it there and how it's starting to evolve into what we have today yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. 1770 or 27 and some just found interesting because this is sir thomas parkins and he was a friend of sir isaac newton right uh he, he wrote a manual of wrestling, uh, in the the in play were Cornish hug wrestler, and he uh, the following quote is about Sir Thomas Parkins when he died. This remarkable man is best known for his passion for wrestling, which he encouraged by the institution of annual wrestling matches held on a piece of ground now in the gardens of uh, Rancliffe Arms, and, and this was in a book. Uh, that he published, uh, uh, he made a coffin and was buried in one of them. Well, over it was erected a monument, which he made during his lifetime, representing him, a, a wrestler overcoming overcome by death. So you know, this guy was so into wrestling in that time uh, that he he made his headstone basically a wrestler who had beaten him to death. Okay. So it, now this now we're now we're going to get to America. 
1730, early American colonists engaged in collar and elbow style wrestling matches for entertainment, which did not bar below the waist grappling. Up until now, most of this was all above the waist. Sumu, you can't grab a leg. It has to be uh, waist and above. Uh, European stuff. And even now, those styles come through in when you watch uh, Steve Regal. Yes. Steve Regal is a European-style wrestler. Yes. And it, you'll see that now he does do leg holds, but he picks a part of the body and works it. Yes. And works it. And works it. And we were, we were trained in, in a similar way by... And, and, and I think with, with, with that style, and again, this is... <clears throat> This is what I think. <clears throat> excuse me. This is what I think wrestling is kind of lacking today, and and you and I have talked about this. Where years ago, I I like to watch a lot of older stuff. I used um, to love watching the AWA stuff. AWA, world class stampede. I, I like in I, again. Like I said, I watch a little bit of AEW. I'll sometimes tune into to WWE. Um, but I still watch a lot of stuff on YouTube and I watch a lot of the older stuff and I watched a match just a few weeks ago with Rick Martel and I, I, I don't remember who, who he was wrestling. Um, and, uh, the whole match was just working the arm, working the arm. Like they, like you said, they picked a body part yep. and they just worked that body part. And I think that's a lot of what it's missing today is I think a lot of places have taken the wrestling kind of out of wrestling. You know, we used to call it back when we wrestled a spot fest where they would just um, like, how can I say? okay, so for instance, I, I, I just always use Jake the Snake Roberts. Jake the Snake Roberts would finish someone off with a DDT and that was it. Now. The DDT is a third remove in the match. Yeah, and and they're they're jumping all over the place, and and they they just don't. Um, it's a spot fest. It's it's a lot of flips now, you know. Rather than the old the old stuff, they're still they don't they don't work the body parts too much anymore. It's 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 a lot of you know. There was a match well, with th that. See that. That working the body part goes back to what wrestling started as, which was a grappling thing. And how would you, if you were if you were wrestling, how would you wear down your opponent? Well, you would cause pain to one of his limbs so he couldn't use it. Yeah, and, and that that was the idea of how we were trained. And you just don't see that technical skill anymore. Right. I don't think. Um, and, and and I think a lot of the things. We we worked a match one time somewhere, and and I don't remember. It might have been up with with D, but I forget. And I and I don't remember who we were wrestling, but I remember who we were wrestling. The guy was working my leg, working my leg, working my leg, and then he picks me up, and he wanted to shoot me across for for a clothesline or or whatever. <clears throat> and uh, and I kept saying to him, as he's picking me up, what are you doing? Doing goes clothesline. Well. He tried to shoot me up the ropes, and I dropped. And it, it kind of pissed him off a little bit in the match. And when we were back in the locker room, he was, you know, what, what the fuck did you do that for? And I'm like, idiot, think for a goddamn minute. You just fucking beat the shit out of my leg for 
you know, five, six minutes. And I'm, I'm sounding like a son of a bitch for you that my and legs. And all of a sudden I'm going to run. And I'm going to be able to run. Yeah. Bitch, I can barely walk. And, and, and I think that's, that's. You need to take a break. No, no, no. I'm okay. I'm okay. Um, I think that it's, uh, uh, is that, is that what, what, from the history of, of what we've been doing to now is, is why the product has evolved to where it has. I, I think it is. They got away from a lot of the history. Because people don't know the history. Right. Like, I didn't know it went back as far as it did. I didn't either. Like, it, the, the next part here is about title belts. So, it's 1798. A northern carnival wrestler, a, a Northern Ireland, uh, Northern England carnival wrestler named William Richardson won his first match. Richardson goes undefeated then from 1801 to 1809. Uh, uh, William Richardson, uh, winner, and, and this is from a, a book, the winner of 240 wrestling trophies or belts. So the, the wrestler, the, the belt, he was also referred to as Belted Will. So, so the belts go back to, you know, the 1700s. Yeah. Um, his written history may be the first mention of belts. Uh, during the latter part of the 18th century and early 19th century, head prizes uh, at various wrestling uh, meetings were in the form of uh, primitive description, consisted of only leather belt with an inscription given uh, the name of place, the date, and winner of the matches, or, or Brutch's piece. I don't know what the fuck that means. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Suitable length of bucks, buckskin broadcloth for making a pair of breeches. Occasionally, rarely, occasionally, but very rarely, a silver cup. So this is the 18th century and 19th century is where trophies for wrestling and belts for wrestling came into play. Yeah. Um, See, and that and that's one of the things that attracted me as a kid to wrestling. Not only the sport um, and the guys, but that the belt. I mean, when I was a kid, I made I made paper belts. You know what I mean? And and we used to do. Like my buddies and I would have little wrestling matches in the living room, you know, and, and stuff. And, you know, and I had these paper belts. And, and that's one of the things that really attracted me to it. Man, I love to have a paper belt. You know? Yeah. We did, which we did. So, 1831, Abraham Lincoln, uh-huh. he was known as a wrestler, uh-huh. uh, had, had his famous match at Dutton, uh, Dutton General Store in New Salem, Illinois. John Jack Armstrong. Uh, the most credible version of the story has the match ending in a draw after Armstrong fouls Lincoln for a throw. Uh, Lincoln and Armstrong eventually became good friends, continued to wrestle. I mean, so, you know, a it, it, uh, former president of the United States from before he was a president, uh, 1831, wrestling. And they did it for money. They that did it that for- was actually taught to us in school when uh, I don't remember the grade. It was, it was. I remember it was elementary school. I don't remember the grade, but it was right around, uh, almost around this time when it was Lincoln's birthday. You, you'd always do every year. You'd do a thing on 
a little thing on George Washington Abraham Lincoln, and, and I re I remember that they were teaching about how he was a wrestler, and then uh, and uh, I, I I I don't know if they ever called us the name of, of the other guy. They they could have. I don't. No, I remember uh, John Jack Armstrong. Yeah, I, I remember that. I don't remember that, but I do remember us, you know, saying that he was a wrestler. And, and in fact, I think, I think in the movie Lincoln, and and, and it also could have been an Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. I was just going to say, right that. after that is when he started killing vampires. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which are actually two very good movies. I actually, you know what? When that movie came out, I'm like, this is fucking ridiculous. Yeah. And you know how I am. If I think it's ridiculous, I will not spend my money on it. Uh -huh. So it finally came to DVD, and I watched it. I'm like, man, I wish I'd seen it in theater. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I was the it, same it, way. It was not a bad movie. Yeah, but like, I enjoyed it. I remember sitting like, the fuck are you gonna have Abraham Lincoln? Yeah, that's what like, I what said. The fuck is this shit? And and we just happened to catch it. I don't remember. I don't remember if we if we rented it or or I forget how. But I like, was actually pretty good. I really like this. So we're at where your research starts, finally. Uh, let's see. How long are we into this? Uh, 50 minutes. We get to Bob's research. That's just because I'm so obnoxiously... No, I'm this, a research not. No, I, I mean, if you're going to do it, do it right, you know. Uh, I, 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 I tell you, I really went down a rabbit hole on this. Yeah. Because, number one, wrestling's a passion of mine. Sure. I miss it, like I said, immensely. And... uh you know, it was a big part of your and my life for 20 years. I spent more time with you than I, you know, than I did my family. Because, I mean, you figure we work all day, eight hours a day. You train at night. We were training, what, three, three nights hours, a week? Three nights a week. Shows on the weekends, you know. It's, it, 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 and I don't care what anybody says. But, you know, the guys at work ride me all the time. Oh, fake wrestling, fake wrestling, fake wrestling. And, you know, and it's all in good fun. It's all in good humor. You know, whatever. Um. But truth be told, it's a big part of my life. You know, it's. I mean, if if you you ever come down to the shop, my desk where my desk sits, there's a there's a, a wall behind me, and I have somebody actually found it in one of the schools. They were going to throw it out. I have a big picture of Hulk Hogan, and then I have pictures uh, behind where I sit uh, of us holding the belts, um, me and Slaughter, me and Janetti, yes, Mark. Um, you know, it, it's because it's just it's a big part of my life, and, and you know, and sometimes, you know, when guys get me talking about wrestling, I I catch myself because I I'm going on and on and on about things, and and you know, you can kind of tell like sometimes guys are really into it, and other times they're just like being polite, like, okay, you're gonna shut the fuck up because like, uh, when guys get me talking about wrestling at work, it's just you lose track of time. You do, for real. You do. I mean, I could talk for hours on. So 1832. Uh, the tradition of uh, combining wrestling and showmanship originated in 1830s France, when showmen presented wrestlers under a name uh, such as Edward the Steel Eater, Gustave the Onion, uh, the Bone Wrecker, uh, Bonnet, the Ox of the Low Alps, uh, and challenged members of the public to knock them down for 500 francs. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I just thought of something. When you were saying earlier before about that wrestler, uh, was it Frank Gotch? Yeah. Do you remember just a few years ago, and I don't remember if they were part of the Vaudevillians, um, which I really enjoyed that team. I well, you remember the name Frank Gotch, right? Yeah. Okay. But they had a guy that was wrestling, and I just thought of it now. They had a guy who had a gimmick named Simon Gotch. But I don't remember. He was he, in my research. Was he? Okay. 
I don't even, yeah, I just, I just thought of that. And, but I really like when, when they did that, um, the vaudevillians, that tag team, I think I was probably one of the only people that liked them, but I thought these guys are good. It's a good gimmick because this is a history of wrestling. This is where it started. Right. You know? Well, I, there's another guy that comes up in my research and, and maybe I'll wait till I get to it because you'll recognize the name right away. Mm -hmm. No relation. The, I, the guy who we know under that name took that name to honor the other guy. Okay. Uh, I am interested. Yeah. So, uh, 1848, French showman Jean Ebloté, uh formed, I just made that up because I can't pronounce it, formed the first modern wrestling circus troupe and established a rule to not execute Established a rule not to execute holds below the waist. He named his style flat hand wrestling, which was the European style uh, that was the main style in Europe. So you had that in Europe. Uh, the uh, Austro-Hungarian Empire, Italy, Denmark, Russia, under the names of Roman Greco style. Uh, classic or French wrestling. So let me see what else is here. Uh, this is 1856. H.M. Uh He wrestled. He did an exhibition match and wrestled his son. Oh, wow. And the 13-year-old like came close to beating him. But uh, the 13-year-old uh, went on to become one of the most successful wrestlers in the 1800s. Uh, he recorded 127 consecutive wins at one point in his career in collar and elbow style wrestling. Nice. Unspecified wins the first match of being a logger. Now, this is where they talk about the side bets. James McLaughlin uh, won his first wrestling match over logger Harim McKee, $100 in side bets. So these guys were probably at a logging site. And uh, I'll wrestle you. If you can beat me, I'll give you a hundred bucks. Yeah. Or whatever they were side, the side bets were or whatever. Uh, McLaughlin wrestling crew was marked with many injured, maimed, or even killed opponents. Yeah. And that's yeah, how dangerous it was. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's one of the reasons why it kind of switched over to the entertainment part of it. So guys wouldn't get hurt because your main guys, you know, if, if, if you're trying to make money, which wrestling's all about at this point, trying to make money. If you're trying to make money and your top guy is hurt, you're not going to make no money. And I think that's why they used to put a lot of those plants in the, you right. know. Right, uh, yeah, absolutely. Here's one, uh, 1864, George W. Flagg, longtime wrestler and member of the Vermont Infantry, leaves the hospital after recovering from a leg wound and wins the grand championship of the Army of Potomac in a Gettysburg tournament. Uh, he was a wrestling champion, physical instructor for the Vermont 2nd Infantry. Uh, 1867, the American Collar and Elbow Championship is established. So now, now you have an established. It wasn't just someone saying, "I'm I'm the Klondike champion." Right. It, it's there's an actual elbow and collar championship. Uh, here's one that we can appreciate. 1870, uh, padded wrestling match make their first appearance. Thank God! Thank God for that. This this I found really interesting. 
1873, P.T. Barnum, the circus guy, mm-hmm. leases an old horse stable in New York, invests $35,000, which is a huge amount of money back then. Oh, easily. Into renovations. It becomes Barnum's Munster Classical and Geological Hippodrome. Hippodrome. He sold it two years later to Patrick Gilmore, who renovated again, and it became Gilmore's Garden, who again sells it in 1879 and eventually becomes Madison Square Garden. Nice. Now, it's, that's really cool. The current Madison Square Garden is not on the same site as that one was. Right. But the history of Madison Square Garden, which is the quintessential wrestling uh, property, dates back to 1873. Yeah. P.T. Barnum. That's awesome. Because, you know, back, back in the day, even though they don't use Madison Square Garden that much anymore, but that was first WrestleMania. Yeah. And and back in the day, even before WrestleMania, when wrestling was territorial, um, to get up north, as they called it, was a goal of everybody because that's where the big money was because of wrestling at Madison Square Garden. So uh, you, you go through the 18 and early 1900s, and there are hundreds and hundreds of matches at Madison Square Garden. Oh, yeah. And the one that, that I talked about that lasted seven hours was there. The police actually came in on the seventh hour and shut it down. Said, it's midnight. You're done. Wow. Uh, right, the, the history of that building. In 1873, amazing. the first recorded masked wrestler. Appropriate name. Named appropriately, named appropriately enough, the masked wrestler. Uh, 1874, a former slave named Vero Small begins wrestling in New York. Well, perhaps he was not the first, but he certainly was one of the earliest African-American pro wrestlers in the United States. Uh, 1877, Gilmore Gardens uh, has a crowd of 1,500. James Owens defeats Charles Murphy, wins a championship belt. Uh, So, 1879, former Gilmore Garden is renovated, purchased by Vanderbilt. And is renamed MSG. Uh, 1873, the last pro wrestling card is held at the original Madison Square Garden, formerly Gilmore Garden, New York City. Uh, Vero Black Sam Small uh, defeated Joe Ryan. Young Big B battled Harry Herbert to a draw. That was the last match in the original Madison Square Garden. Now, then it was it was rebuilt elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, 1884, sumo match in wrestling, or in, in New York. Uh, 1887, uh, 20 American wrestlers go to Tokyo, Japan, for a pro wrestling show. Uh, the event fails to catch on despite selling out the first day. Uh, J.P. Morgan, 1890, heads up the Madison Square Garden Corporation. They destroy the old Madison Square Garden. And open a second Madison Square Garden to the state, including a 13,000 seat arena. Uh, that Colonel James McLaughlin again. Uh, Madison Square Garden. The first pro wrestling show at the new Madison Square Garden, 1892. You know, and I didn't know that it did, you know, it went back that far. I, you know, I didn't realize. Come on in. Look who finally showed up to fight tonight. 
This podcast is brought to you by Bear Claw Kitchen. Head on over to BearClawKitchen.com and check out their amazing selection of granola bars and granola snack packs. They also have hazel and spice granola butter, maple syrup, pancake mix, and a few different flavors of jam. So, once again, head over to BearClawKitchen.com and use code DELUXE15 at checkout to save 15% off your entire order. And then it's time to devour and claw on. All right, we're back. And as you can see, Mr. John, Johnny Jumpahead. What's up, y'all? Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> Isn't it Johnny Joins Us Late? <laughs> Johnny Joins Us Late is here. Um, <clears throat> uh, we're going to continue with uh, the ancient history of wrestling. And then uh, in a second episode, we will have the love bug back to do and you better fucking come dude i'll be here i will oh my god i'll i will come down and smack you promise yes hey, how'd you open that thing with my opener and then we're going to go into the more modern stuff uh that'll be the next episode so <laughs> if you're bored by this which <clears throat> if you are fuck you yeah who cares go fuck yourself uh we're not bored <laughs> So, I just wanted to mention this George Hackers, Hackerschmidt, Hackensmith, Hackensack, because now this is 1894 when when this is still like this is legit professional wrestling, mm-hmm. like and this, this these are guys fighting. This these are shoot matches, and this was a form of entertainment back in the day because I mean obviously as people there was there wasn't TV, there wasn't radio, there wasn't internet, you know, this people gathered together, and this is what they watched, you know. John, did you eat a weenie when you were upstairs? No, I came right down. There's two weenies up there for you. All right. Cheese hot dogs. In honor of Bob. Their names are Neil and Bob. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, 1894, uh, the European champion, George Hackenschmidt, he later solidified the claim to be world champion uh, historian Gerardo Benini. Yeah, Benini uh, disputed his championships. Didn't the research has shown no such championship existed. So, and that was a lot of the stuff back then. They they just uh, I'm the world champion. Yeah. Uh, so the very first one was way back. <laughs> that happens a lot in the East. Yeah, depending on where you go. And, and then they they the American uh, shoulder or collar and shoulder uh, wrestling championship was actually started. But that wasn't a world championship. Right. Uh, first recorded sellout at Madison Square Garden, 1898. Here's the one you were talking about, that uh, Paul Paul Pons. Yeah. The Colossus became the first professional world champion. But we, we, we've mentioned world championship like 15 times since then. So I don't know if this was a legitimate <laughs> world championship. or it, It's hard to say because, again, it could be, you know, a lot like the indies. I mean, every indie promotion that we've worked for has had a world champion. You know, so it's like yeah. Well, I, I know I've we didn't have a world champion when we ran PXW. There was no world champion. No, there there was an ultimate champion. There was a PXW champion. Yeah. There was a light heavyweight, which later became the XTV champion. Yes. And the tag champions, which. Obviously, it wasn't us for a while. Like we, no. we were for like the first year because we were building stuff up. But yeah, 
after that, we, we gave it. Now, is this uh, more like actual wrestling? Okay, so since you missed so much. I did, I did say that before. Yeah. Uh, uh, yes, these guys, th- this was mostly grappling above the waist, and the uh, the objective was to throw your opponent to the ground or out of a circle. So it was much like sumo wrestling. Yeah. Um, so we're getting now to what, what we call the modern style of professional like wrestling. Like altered styles of amateur collegiate type wrestling. Um, in the United States and UK during the 19th century, the catch is catch Ken style came into uh, effect. It was unorthodox. It's considered unorthodox by uh, like the, all, all these guys from Europe because you could grab a leg, you could strike. Uh, you know, it's cat. Uh, wow, I never knew that. I always thought like the Greco Roman was like the you know, like Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, whatever. Put leg locks, whatever. No. No, Greco Roman is uh <clears throat> waist and above. At least back then. And they still and they still do have tournaments like that. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Uh so the the new American the US style, UK style, allowed uh leg leg grips, uh both Styles of wrestling were still very popular at this time, and this is at the turn of the uh, 19th, 20th century. Hmm. So this is where we talked about Farmer Burns and Frank Gotch. Uh, they had that match, uh, it was a famous match, in uh, Fort Dodge, Iowa. After the match, you know, Farmer Fort Burns said he, Dodge, dis- Iowa. he discovered uh, Frank Gotch. And they became his trainer, took him under his wing, and they would go all over the place and wrestle. So, um, 1901. Oh, this is where tag team wrestling came in. This is why I put this in. Uh, 1901, tag team matches were said to have their origins in San Francisco later this year. It was said to be a gimmick by promoter. Tag team came from San Francisco. Your favorite place. <laughs> uh, they, they put in by promoters to boost their shows. Later in the 20th century, tag team wrestling is credited for credited with the beginning in Australia with many regional promotions. promotions calling tag team Aust- matches Australian rules tag team matches, uh, which we've heard. Um, this, however, was mainly a gimmick idea dated back to the fam- Fabulous kangaroos tag team uh, to just give them more exotic. Flavor. I actually remember that name because I was a couple years ago. <coughs> a guy I worked with was a big wrestling fan, and he gave me a, a bunch of books on histories of different things. And one of it was like the history of ECW, which is very good. Um, uh, one of them was Chris Benoit's book, which was very good too. Uh, but one of them was uh, just like just the general history of wrestling, and I, and I have to check. I think I still have it in my locker at work. But I remember reading about that with the uh, the kangaroos, uh, the fabulous kangaroos, and how yeah, because like, when you said the name, it thought, I was like, oh yeah, I remember that. And you know, it's interesting. Well, when I was going through this, I recognized like Farmer Burns. Mm-hmm. I, I recognized Frank Gotch and uh, uh, Hesher Schmidt uh, or Hender Schmidt. Mm-hmm. I, I recognize those names, Hackenschmidt, that's it. So what got you guys into wrestling? You always into it from like a young age? Yeah. And decided one day, not one day, but like that's what you thought as like a kid. 
I always I watch. I always watch it with my grandfather, and uh, I'd sit on his lap, and there was no remote, so his chair was right up next to the TV. Yeah. And he'd lean forward, and I'm sitting on his lap, and he'd click through the channels real slow, click, 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 and he'd see wrestling, and he'd go like three or four channels past him. I'm like, oh, no, no, put wrestling on, put wrestling on, and <laughs> and he would be like, oh, okay, like he didn't want to watch it. And he'd go yeah. back, and we'd be sitting there hooping and hollering, and my grandma, like, <laughs> what are you guys yelling about? Are you watching that stuff? Yeah. You go back out in the kitchen. Pretty, pretty much the same for me. Um, I had a, I, I, I watched it. I wasn't as into it. And then uh, a friend of mine was real into it, and he really got me hooked on it. Then at that point, I, I uh, it's probably. I mean, I remember watching it as a kid, and my my grandmother up the street from my dad's house would watch, and I'd go up there. But I, I, I was probably about eleven. I really got hooked. Like, like, wow, this is this is what I yeah. yeah, about a lot. Oh shit! <clears throat> so, it, how how were you into wrestling? I mean, were you, did you watch it? Did you like? I, I we never uh, really talked no, about wrestling much. Uh, no, I I you know I didn't really have a whole lot of cable. <clears throat> I remember watching it on TV a few times. Uh, I remember the um, the Hacksaw Brothers. Uh, that was so. So they, they were. It was Hacksaw, Jim Duggan. Or, uh, there's a lot of. Players. No, no, I'm sorry, the Bushwhack. Oh, the, the Bushwhackers. The Bushwhackers. We wrestled the Bushwhackers. And, um, you know, I just remember, like, vaguely remember some characters, um, Jake the Snake. I didn't really get into it, though, because I, don't, I just didn't really have a whole lot of. Mm-hmm. I might have been in a babysitter's house or somewhere else, and, you know, that wasn't on. But, um,. <clears throat> Yeah, I was kind of felt like left out in that in that um like I, I know enough but I don't know like the names and the moves mm-hmm. and, and you know it's kinda of like football for me. It's like I kinda of know what's going on, but I don't know I know enough to be dangerous. Yeah. To say. <laughs> and uh well it was funny, like at work I was fixing something and I went in and I talked to the guy and what the hell song came over the radio? Um and he starts getting all pumped up, and he's like, yeah, 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 right, right. And I'm like, I looked at him, he goes, you don't know that song? I'm like, I've heard this song. He's like, dude, that's like a really famous, like, wrestler, like, a entrance song for two wrestlers. I'm like, and he's like, oh, he's like, I thought with the people you hung out with, that his, my buddy's brother and his friends were all into that. We missed the boat. Yeah. Like, I do not know all the, so... And and that, and that's the funny part too. Even to this day, like if I'm driving in the car and like uh, if I hear a song that I really like, first thing that reminds me, hmm, these are entrance songs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'll stash that away. You know? um, but even Enter Sandman, when that comes on the radio, I turn that shit all the way up, and the first thing I think of is fucking Sandman coming through with a kendo stick, a cigarette, and a beer. Yeah, I'm like, oh, that's, I mean, that that's got to be one of the, the I mean. It's, one of the greatest songs for me. I, I love that song. But that's got to be one of the greatest wrestling entrance songs of all time. I mean, just... And it would play forever. Uh, yeah, and, and, and the crowd... His would, entrance would be like 10 minutes long. Yeah. Oh, this totally reminded me. I wanted to ask you, last week, I was listening to Preston and Steve on the radio, and they had a pro wrestler on. He, like, it was in the WWE, whatever. I don't remember what they call it now. Um, but they never said his name. Like by the time I got to work, by the time I listened to it, I got to work. They never said his name. 
All I know is he was he was Puerto Rican, and one of his best friends throughout the career or whatever was another Puerto Rican wrestler. And they were asking him a bunch of questions. They're like, you know, like who? I, I wish I, I, there was more. I knew you would have picked it up because there was one other describing thing that they said about him. Like, there, how many Puerto Rican wrestlers can there be that has this one specific something? Whatever it was, I don't remember what it was. And I'm sure you would have remembered it. But um, he was talking about. Uh, they were asking him, "Who do you think the best? Who do you, who do you think the best?" In the game is as far as their, their, what do you call that when you when you come out on the your your stick when you come out on the on the stage and your your entrance your well when you come out you're 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 Cut the promo. going back and forth with the crowd Cut the, kind of promo Cut the promo and uh, he's like hands down the rock oh yeah rock's number one he's like that dude is like is he's like he but you look at him he was like the the rock was good but Stone Cold was and and so was um. Man, I wish I could remember who it was. I really his story was Kurt super Angle. interesting. Kurt Angle was good at he that too. Rowdy, Rowdy Piper. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, see, that's this. This is a story. Uh, WWWF, which we're going to get to in our next episode, like when we get to the more modern stuff. But they had their original like six or seven stops. One of them was the Hamburg Fieldhouse, mm. and the other one was Allentown Ag Hall. And at Allentown Ag Hall. I would, I went to the Hamburg Fieldhouse and I I would watch with my grandfather. We'd watch the show, and then the very next night, they'd be at downtown Ag Hall, do the same exact show, same show, same. That's show. awesome. So we would go and and it'd be like we never saw any of it, and you know cr- crowds would react differently depending on where you were. So, Allentown Ag Hall, uh, they had Piper's Pit set up, and I was sitting just to the right of Piper's Pit. So like I knew I was gonna be right there, I'd be able to see I was right up on 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 the gate, and uh, it was the night that they smashed the coconut over <laughs> Jimmy Superfly's head, and 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 that's like legendary yeah. in pro wrestling. Like yeah, any anybody who's anyone that knows anything about pro wrestling, if you ask them like what's one of the biggest moments from back in the day, Piper hitting Snooker with the coconut. So huh. I'm sitting there, so what, close uh, to the was it was got, it like a cut coconut or just no. It, it wasn't even like really planned. It, it, it and, and I Piper was just—he was a nut. Yeah, and and he just like—I don't think like he does. If if you go on YouTube and and watch some of his interviews about it, he talks about it. And I don't remember exactly what he said, but I think it was just one of those spur of the moment things. Yeah, and it was you know like okay, this is going to make the crowd pop, and and that's what like Piper would do is he just kept the crowd in his hand. At all times. So and one of his famous lines was always, just when you think you have the answer, I change the question. And it's so <laughs> true because yeah. he held the crowd by the balls. Yeah, I think that's, I, you know, not, obviously for meeting Mike, like I respect wrestling a lot more. Not that I didn't before, but, you know, I always bust your balls about yeah. it. It was fake wrestling. I'll show you how make it is. And, uh, but anyways, uh, you know, just the fact that like when you're you're out there, you're doing your thing, like you get to be an actor. Mm-hmm. It's like you control the crowd, and, and that's got to be so fucking cool. Like sitting it up is. doing that shit, yeah, and, and knowing that you control the crowd is awesome too. But so I'm sitting there on the rail. He smashes the coconut. I, I'm so close to get coconut juice on. <laughs> so that's why you, you hate coconuts. Yes, one of the reasons. So years later, years later, 
Bob and I meet, and I'm at I'm at the training center, and I'm telling this story. And Bob goes, "Hold it, where were you sitting?" And I said, "Well, if the Piper Pit was here, I was here." And he goes, "Holy shit, I was sitting right right across from you." We didn't know each other. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I think we talked about this in the last. I think we did. Yeah. I think we did. But I just that's you know what are the odds. Right, yeah. you know, for the uh, two guys go on to become tag team. Twenty partners. years later, become tag team partners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like I said, and I knew, like, like I, I, and I think I was about eleven. Yeah, I was about eleven years old because I remember my stepdad took me to my first wrestling match, which at that time they were they were done doing TV tapings at, and I call it was just what they call a house show, and it was probably one of the worst house shows I've ever seen, but. It was because they, they, which I just found out recently, they had an A squad and a B squad when they would do house shows. So this was a B squad because at that time, Hogan was the champion. Whoever Hogan was in a house show, that was the A squad. I mean, our main event, even though I totally popped for it, was Ken Patera against Dino Bravo. That's a mid-card. I mean, it, it, speaking of all honesty, they're both great workers, but that was, you know, a, a, anything well, see, outside the house show, that's a mid-card match. When, when we get to next next week, we're going to talk about that because the main event used to be in the middle of the show. I remember that, yeah. And it was in the middle of the show for a reason. Really? Yeah. Yes. Especially really? on a house show because the tag team matches always closed out the show. Huh. But they, they, they would do it in the, in the middle of the show, So and they would help. They would start building up the angle to get people to come back the next time. Yeah. So now, let, let's, let, let me hit this because this, Bob's going to have to go soon. Yeah, unfortunately. We're going to wrap this up next week, but I this is date. the part that I, I wanted you to get to. This uh, Stanislas Zabisco, Zabisco wow. wins the World Roman Greco Tournament in France in 1906. Zabisco died in 1967. He's cited as one of the, the best legitimate wrestlers of all time. As a tribute to his surname, it was later adopted by Larry Zabisco. Do you remember when we worked with him up at Deeds? Yes. Nice. Guy didn't owe us shit from Shiola, but talked to us like we were old friends. You know, just guy, guys, guys, a legend. I mean, hence the name, living legend. Through you know all the stuff that he's done in the business, and I, I think we made a save up there. I think on somebody, and he he came out to make the save with us. It was like the three yeah. of us, like, and that's and, and that's what it was so cool because he's like he's like he's like yeah, hey, love bug Marshall. I want you to go out with Zabisco and I do this. Yeah. Uh, okay. If you really want me to, yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. All right. Okay. If we, had, if we had to take him with us, I guess. <laughs> me, I mean, him over there, like doing this, like the little non-noticeable. Yeah. Slapping five, like so nobody sees us marking out. But. So uh, we'll stop at 1906. We'll, we'll jump back into it 1908 next week and uh, put some more time aside because, and honestly, I'm going to talk to you about this because. And it's going to take a commitment on your part to do like four more shows with us. Okay. Okay. We got to do the whole history of just the AWA. Yes. The whole history of just the NWA. The whole history of WCW, which ties into NWA. Yes. Uh, the whole history of WWE, which ties into NWA. Yes. Uh, and and some of the territories and some of the other promotions that are still out there that's been around for a long time. Yeah. But I, I want to dedicate a show to each one of them. Not that I want to make this a wrestling podcast, but there, like, I, I got into this. There's so much information. Yeah. So, um, and John will be on time next time. I was trying to think of the, the look up the guy's name, Steve DeSalvo. 
Steve Carino. Steve Carino. Carino's there, but he's not. He's not Spanish. Not that I know of, anyway. Mm. I wish I could have. I wish I would have mentioned his name. Steve DeSalvo, professional wrestler. Anyway, uh, let's wrap this up uh, for this week. Uh, we took on the first four thousand years of professional wrestling. <laughs> And you laugh, but we did, because we went back to Genesis when wrestling was first mentioned. In the Bible. Yeah, remember we had this whole this yeah. whole conversation the other day? Yeah. And you're like, no, that's David and Goliath. Like, <laughs> well, which, well, which one was the giant with the one eye? Yeah, <clears throat> so uh, we took on that. You go take on the world, and do not miss our next episode, where we will delve deep into modern wrestling history. That's the bottom line. We'll take on the world. Our podcasts exist because of listeners like you. To find other great shows, head over to the Den Dot Show. Thanks for listening. Hold on to that. Welcome back to the Shit Show 2.0. Okay, Boomer. Damn millennials. Wow. <laughs> Did not know that. Even flirters who who are obviously mentally ill. You want to be my wife? Oh, this is gonna go downhill real quick. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>